it was just weird to be that age and be the first time asking myself, like, what do you really want to do with your life? I was good at making money, but it wasn't making a life. I think we all really want to have an emotional connection to what we're doing and care about the legacy and the impact that we have on the others that we have around us. There was no plan B. There was no plan C, there was plan A and plan A only. We were able to identify definitive issues in the client's journey and address them specifically in a way that has never been addressed before. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou, and boy, do we have an exciting guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is one of the leading thought leaders in the world of luxury travel. He is a serial entrepreneur. He's a man who's lived in tons of exotic locations, and he's a man with a passion for daring adventure sports. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Shane Mahoney. Welcome to the show, Shane. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to have you here, my brother. So, Shane, uh, the person who listens to the show is an entrepreneur. They're a champion for their own dream and their own vision. They believe in freedom. They believe in free expression. They believe in free enterprise. They listen to the show because they want to learn from you as a successful entrepreneur. They want to learn... They want to hear your story. They want to understand how you've grown such a fantastic business. They want to get some tips and tricks as an entrepreneur on what they can do for themselves. But before they can open themselves up to you, they got to get to know you, man. They got to they got to know who you are and what you're all about. So tell us your backstory. How'd you get to be the great Shane Mahoney? Thanks. Thanks. Listen, um, you know, I, I hope to be able to give people a great look at uh, what an entrepreneur's life is like. You know, I can definitely talk about mine. So I, um, I grew up with kind of a really weird uh, upbringing. My mom is from Paris. Uh, my dad is a Floridian native, um, oh, which wow. makes me a fifth generation Fl Floridian. Um, and um, and uh, so, yeah, we, we actually had a weird life because my dad was a roughneck. He, dr he drilled uh, on an exploratory ship for oil in the late 70s. And um, so we spent uh, about a year living in Borneo. We lived three years in Australia, um, spent a lot of time in that particular area of the world. And by the time I was eight years old, I'd been around the world four and a half times. Wow. And uh, so I've had like a weird upbringing, but I landed in Lakeland, Florida in fourth grade. And my parents were like, we're not moving anymore. You and your brother need to have a stable school experience. And uh, so, so we kind of went here until I graduated high school. And then I went to the University of Alabama. So I graduated with international marketing degree and uh, went out into the world and spent 12 years 
doing uh, sales and finance jobs. And, um, and you know, why am I here is because I hit 34 years old and I just, I realized that I was living, um, you know, a good life, but it wasn't really mine in the sense that I didn't have control over what I did on a daily basis and, and what kind of life I was living. And I don't know if people relate to that. Probably if you're an entrepreneur, you relate to that pretty heavily. Um, but, um, but I, I, I ended up actually just sort of hitting a brick wall and I didn't want any more of the life that I had. And, uh, so Nikki, you know, I, um, I'm full of good ideas, but I had one really bad one. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, so at 34 years old, I, I quit all my, I quit my career and uh, I was a couple of weeks away from moving to the French Alps to be a ski instructor. And um, yeah, I see a look on your face. You're like, what? Um, wild, yeah, it's not, not the best idea, but I figured I like to ski and, uh, you know, I'll figure that out. So it was, it was just weird to be that age and be the first time asking myself, like, what do you really want to do with your life? And so the funny thing is, is three weeks out from making this plan, like done, uh, my mom saw an article in France magazine, and it was about a guy who owned a 20 year real estate agency, sold everything, moved to France and started a ski school. And I was like, this is the easiest thing ever. I'm going to call this guy up and be like, look, I'm in the exact same part of my life that you were in. And I'm like, give me a job. I'll come out there with a job. And uh, Mike Baudet, very generous man, emailed me the next day. And the next day after that, we spoke for four hours. And I can tell you that's 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 how I got into what I do. That's what uh, what happened. He says, short story. He goes, do not be a ski instructor. Bad idea. He's like, but he's like, after talking to you for a long time, he says, you should probably be a tour operator. And so, uh, so there you go. There, that's how I got to where I am. So your mom's a, a French woman from Paris. She mad, she marries a Floridian roughneck. That's a mm. weird combination right there. Way weird. And then you, you, um, your dad, uh, his work takes him all over the world. So you live in all these different countries and you, you go into corporate life like you were, you know, you were sold the same dream. I guess a lot of us were like I was sure go get a great job with a big company. And sure. And then you see one day you wake up and you go, I'm not living my life. This isn't my yeah. life. This isn't who I want to be because I was yeah. I was 33 years old when that kind of hit me. <laughs> no way. <laughs> you know, and um, it's um, it, it, it seems to be a, a, a certain stage in a in a man's life. You know, and yeah. a woman's life as well, I suppose. But speaking as men here, like this, this is a cer certain stage in a man's life. You, you realize you're not doing what you were meant to do, right? That's exactly it. Yeah, it's exactly it. And you know, honestly, it wasn't. It wasn't for a lack of success. I was good at making money, but it wasn't making a life. You know, and I think, I think what I what really tuned me in. I'll tell you how easy my life was. Now, granted, I had to pull roughly 10 to 12 hour days, six days a week. So the hours were ridiculous, but the work itself 
you were only working like one to two and a half hours a day. So there was only actual stuff where you were sitting in front of a client and had stuff to do for an hour and a half to two hours a day. So I surfed the internet like three times over. I knew everything. Like I was the, I was that friend of yours that had all the internet jokes and before memes were a thing, like I was sending that all over the, you know, the email list. Cause there was no Facebook and stuff like that. Um, you know, it was making good money. Everything was good, but ultimately, you know, I was just sort of living for the weekend. You know, I just got into this rut where I was just like, ah, work is work. I'll just, but on the weekend, like that's when I'll go and have fun. And the truth is, I think that I'm just created a version of myself that was, you know, fun seeking in a way to distract and take yourself away from what your real purpose and like what you really want to do is. Um, and so I think that's what resonated with me the most. It wasn't for lack of being able to slack off and do things. You know, I had a DVD player at my desk and I would just watch movies. But eventually you get to the point where it's like, you know, I think some people would look at that and be like, that's paradise. You don't have to do anything. You know, think like Homer Simpson just pushing buttons with the woodpecker, you know. Um, but at the other end of the spectrum, I think we all really want to have an emotional connection to what we're doing and care about the legacy and the impact that we have on the others that we have around us. And I think when I really realized that I didn't have that component in my life, that that was when I really wanted to create a catalyst for change and make, um, and make a, a difference in who I was and be more in alignment with what I really thought was important. Amen, brother. Amen. Um, you know, for me, it's it, it's been wanting to live a life of meaning, a life of purpose, uh, sure. a life uh, where I'm doing what I was meant to do. I was talking to a fellow earlier today, and the way he put it is um, he wants to fulfill his God-given destiny. Uh, you know, and I just um, I kind of hear that in the story that you're uh, sharing here is that there is a there, there was a, a longing in you that wasn't being filled by just making yeah. money and working for the man, as it were, you needed to carve your own path. And, and this is where you, where you, where you finally did it. So you started a business, you started to work for another fellow. When did you break off into your own business? Like how long have you been your own boss? So I, uh, so I had that four hour conversation. I had three weeks to kill cause I didn't have anything planned other than sell all my stuff and move to France. So I spent three and then an extra week really just studying what a tour operator was and deciding whether or not that was something I really wanted to do. But at the end of the four weeks, I started my company in 2011 and, um, and with a firm decision that, um, there was no plan B, there was no plan C, there was plan A and plan uh, a only. So I, I really wanted to walk the plank with it, if you will. Um, and, um, and honestly, most of that is really just because um, I, I really did feel like I had something to be able to give people. It, it's the weirdest thing ever to explain. But like, out of all the traveling I've ever done, I feel like, uh, like I could land anywhere. 
And within an hour, I know where to go. I know where to like the great, the great place that the locals like to eat at is, you know, and like where the little hidden spots are. And like, I don't know, I just have this like personality or ability to just sort of figure it out and see it. I can see past the tourist traps. I can see the things that are, people might be interested in for different reasons. Um, and so I don't know. I, I, I just felt like I had something to give. And so, yeah, 2011, I've been doing this 11 years. So um, here's the thing that I uh, want to ask you some questions about, because we had this pandemic lockdown uh, that uh, happened two plus years <laughs> in <laughs> most of the world. And traveling just wasn't a thing anymore. You know, um, I remember that my son and I, who was 14 at the time, we were in um, the Dominican Republic and the government of the Dominican Republic basically was kicking everybody out of the country. You know, yeah. so we had to cut our vacation short and we came back to, to Canada. And I'm wondering, um, how did you deal with that? Because a lot of people who are listening to this have had uh, major, major challenges because of that for themselves. And frankly, sure. lately, um, the inflation and uncertainty of the world is the highest it's been since the 70s, since the Carter era. And everybody remembers how crappy the world was then, right? Russia was in Afghanistan then, now Russia's in Ukraine now. <laughs> Inflation's yeah. going crazy. And there's a new Cold War between the United States and, and China. Uh, and there's a lot of people that are nervous and scared. So I'm just wondering, how did you deal with that? How did you make that work inside your business? You know, I have a number of things to say about that, but let me just kind of start with the basics. I mean, you know, COVID clearly had an effect on a lot of different businesses and I can't speak to everybody's, but for us, it was 15 months dead. Um, didn't matter if you wanted to travel, you couldn't go anywhere and didn't matter. So we were completely salesless for 15 months. And, you know, to, to just speak to the entrepreneurs in the room, I mean, that's murder. So, you know, on the one end, on the one hand, you know, uh, our company was, you know, very close to not being able to make it. On the other hand, if you just sit there and you're just waiting for something else to happen, then ultimately you're really wasting an opportunity. So I look at it as a really good thing and a really bad thing, right? As a really bad thing, we couldn't sell any tours. That's obviously what we started to be able to do. So not being able to do what you want to do is not good. But on the other end of the spectrum, um, you're looking at the bright side, if you will. I had a lot of time on my hands and, um, and I had a lot of ability to think. So, you know, what does that mean? It means that like, um, well, I don't want to get salesy, but we were able to identify definitive issues in the client's journey and address them specifically in a way that has never been addressed before. So what allowed you to do that? That's what I'm interested in. Well, it's really just about like, you know, the thing about it is, in my normal daily life, I would have never had time to think about how to put all of those things together. Because I, I mean, think about the travel industry as a whole. It's, you know, 
very old, right? Um, there's a lot of inertia in the way that things have been done. The way that most companies do things is the way that they've always been done. It would be probably another way of putting that, right? And the thing about it is I feel that when the internet came out, it created a definite change in the travel industry, but not necessarily one that anybody like picked apart, made, uh, made solutions to based on the native problem, native advantages of the, of the internet itself. So to maybe say that a little bit more clear, right? You have like before the internet, you had to have a travel professional because we were the gatekeepers of information, right? We knew where to go get the hotels and book and do all this stuff. Well, when the internet happened, you know, that you went from like not being able to access really any information to being able to access all of the information. And, and the way that the travel industry did not keep up is that then it, it went from you were a tastemaker to then you become a little bit of an order taker, right? Because now people are like, well, my friend went to this place. That's where I want to go. And this, that, and the other thing. And so, um, so on the one hand, you, you have a difference of the way things happened. Um, and the other way that is that like, none of the systems really changed. So to just to put that into like concrete terms, anybody who's ever wanted to do a, a private luxury vacation of any kind can go to any company in the world right now. And to get one proposal takes three to five business days. Okay. So, so just imagine, imagine you don't know where you want to go for sure. So you call a company, you hash it out, you figure out like what your tastes are. You got to spend like roughly 45 minutes to an hour with a perfect stranger telling them all kinds of personal stuff, like whether you and your wife sleep in the same bed or not. Um, and stuff like that, because obviously me booking it, I need to know, do I book a room with two beds or one, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Right. So so me as the, as the pre-COVID uh, travel professional would spend an hour with my client up front. Then we would take all that information. We would find all the things that we think our client should do. We would put it together a proposal and we would get that to our client. And that would be three to five business days. And the thing about it is then the client wants to make changes. They send it back to me. They're like, this is great, but I want to change this, this, and this, right? And then we have to start that entire process over again, because we have to understand, are the hotels still available? Is this still available? Can we do this? Can we make that change? What's the price? What about these dates? Is it da, 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 right? So it's another three to five business days. And so the reality of the client's journey for every company in the world, other than ours now, is it's a two-week process that's full of stress back and forth and a lot of uh, um, information that's just sort of waiting on stuff, okay? And so what we did was we thought about that entire process and changed a number of things. So now instead of two weeks, we can give you a proposal in five minutes. We could never have done that if it wasn't for COVID because the, the we accommodated for it negotiated with in 19 different countries, over 66 different tours, it's taken us 12 months to get to where we are right now. 
and we would have never been able to start had it not been for COVID. So the reality is, is that like being able to think about like, what are the modern problems versus what are the problems we've always had? Because the problems we've always had gave us the solutions we always had, but the internet gave us all these new tools that nobody is really using to be able to leverage getting information faster. You know, we, we go on, I go on Amazon yesterday. And even though I live in Florida and we just had a major hurricane, I'm going to have a bunch of stuff delivered to me tomorrow. That's insane. We live in an, we live in an age where instantaneous everything, material information, whatever is available to you. But if you look at every single travel company in the world right now, it's still a week to two weeks to get information. Just, just information, forget about like actually creating the booking process. And so, um, so when I say that COVID was a good thing, it was, it was a great thing. I mean, like I could never have been able to do that had it not been for the time with my team to be able to break things apart and put it all back together and again in a way that makes sense. So you're saying that the internet changed everything, which I think it did. And right. COVID gave you an opportunity to, you know, think things through. You were able to work on the business. But I guess the question for me becomes this, right? Like, if I want to book a trip in this day and age, I go on Expedia for TV <laughs> and I go, okay, where do I want to go? Uh, how much money do I want to spend? What type sure. of uh, what type of resort do I want to be in? Sure. And, and I go see what's available. And if I like what I see, I grab it. Takes me all of 10 minutes to do all that. And I don't even have a conversation with somebody. So Correct. inside of your. But here's the difference. You're talking about an average. Uh, that's not that's not what you would do for a vacation. If you were going to. Um, I'm just going to guess based on your name. You're Greek. Nope. Um, I'm from Iran. Not Greek. From Iran. So close. Right around the corner. <laughs> okay. So let's say you wanted to go to Iran, right? Um, obviously, let's take away the embargoes and issues, right? But let's just talk about the basics. You want to go to Iran. It's not like it's, it's or Greece or Italy. You can't just jump on Expedia and get everything that you need, right? You can get a hotel. You can get the flight. You can even get a rental car, but you cannot get a tour guide. You cannot set up a, a car to pick you up from the airport and take you to your hotel. You cannot uh, set up a dinner reservation at a five-star restaurant. You cannot set up a lot of the things. You cannot get skip the line access to the Vatican an hour early. You cannot do a lot of things. So the difference is there's everyday travel which is things that Expedia, Orbitz, Priceline, and other companies address. And that has instantaneous information and instantaneous booking. But if you want to do a custom private luxury tour where a guide will pick you up at your hotel, take you around, give you skip the line access, take you to the behind the scenes stuff, take care of your amazing dinners and all the stuff that we do, you cannot do that online. And the only way that you can do that was with a, a tour company. And the only, and what I'm talking, it's a very division of, of specifics. You cannot get a proposal for that kind of tour in less than three to five days from any company in the world. 
So you guys clear on who your ideal customer is, like who buys, who wants these things? Sure. Who is that? We mostly focus on 35 to 65 year old couples and families who are looking to connect and reconnect with loved ones and have new experiences um, uh, while doing so. And absolutely no stress in the planning pre or post trip. We take care of 100% of all the problems that can come up from, you know, your, uh, how are you going to plug in your phone at night to where are you going to eat to what are you going to do? Where are you going to see, you know, what are you going to experience? How are you going to get there? Everything. I, I will tell you this, Nikki, our clients have one responsibility that is to be at their front door. When I tell them to be ready, as long as they are packed and have their passport, We take care of everything else. We include a private car to pick you up from your house and take you to the airport. Standard service. And everything in between until you get back to your door, we take care of 100%. You can't book that. I mean, you could, but I, I would promise you that you can't do it on Expedia and it would take you, we estimate that it would take any client to replicate anything that we do a minimum of 40 hours actual hours. So um, our value proposition is if you value yourself at $200 per hour, we're going to save you four to eight grand minimum. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Okay. So COVID also gave me some opportunity to expand it into other areas. And so to explain that more, we've been doing custom private luxury tours, but the reality is what your example that you just told me, like, let's go to Expedia and grab this. Nobody called me for like a weekend trip because somebody was having a baby or there was a wedding or stuff like that. Right. Which is good because we didn't really, we weren't really set up to handle that. But COVID also really helped me out because it allowed me to identify that that was a very important part of the travel sphere. And we weren't really participating in that at all. And so What I did was I married what we do in travel to a social component because it's my firm belief that we should be able to do as much as we can to help others. And one of the things that I really keyed in on was that, uh, are you familiar with smile.amazon? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for the people who are listening, who are not familiar, it is an Amazon site. You can buy all the regular stuff at exactly the same price as you will find on the regular Amazon site. But the difference is that they take a portion of whatever it is that you buy and they donate it to whatever charity you choose. So you can pick any charity in the United States, you buy stuff that you're going to buy anyway, and then they donate money and it doesn't cost you anything. Fair? So I like that model. I like that model a lot. And we actually also started a company that is a direct competitor to Expedia and Orbitz called Travel to Give Back. And you can book hotels, flights, and rental cars, just the same exact prices, same exact inventory, same exact everything as everywhere else. But we donate five times what Amazon Smile donates to whatever charity you choose. And so we're, we're dedicated to donating a billion dollars by 2035. Um, and, uh, that's money that will cost our clients not one single penny more than they would spend on all of the same stuff anywhere else. Um, but 
we can now help charities that we know, like, and trust at zero additional cost to ourselves by doing something we were already going to go, going to do, which is travel. And so That's COVID was good for two things. You know, one, it, I re-keyed our normal bits to be able to accommodate a better, faster transaction. And two, we added a social component to travel and, uh, and we're the only company doing that too. That is pretty brilliant, man. Well done. Super, super smart. Super, super smart. So um, if folks are interested in finding out more about your company or uh, book and travel with you, what's the, what's the best website for them to go to? Uh, I would say ShaneMahoney360.com. ShaneMahoney360.com uh, has all of our websites. You can actually ac- access my calendar. You can call us. You can do anything from there. Um, so we have uh, a lot of different travel properties that uh, that we handle through that. Or Lugos Travel. You're Ray, yeah. you're Ray Perez client. I am. Yeah. You know, Ray. Love Ray. I got, got Nikki360.com. So there you go. I love it. Awesome. Well, um, listener, that is Shane's doing some pretty cool stuff. Uh, I, I love his uh, uh, idea borrowed from Amazon Smiles, but given five times as much money as Amazon is to, to charities for book and travel. I think that's super smart. Um, make sure that you go check out Shane360.com. We'll have all that. Shane Mahoney360. Shane Mahoney360.com. So yeah, you got Shane the Mahoney. Nikki. I just went, I went yeah, full name. I went you full went name. Full name. <laughs> all right. I'm going to make sure that's all in there. Uh, and, and listener, listen, if you got value from this episode, Share it with somebody else who needs to hear the message. There's a lot of good nuggets in here. A lot of fantastic stuff. Um, hey, and Nikki, I want to give you a shout out, actually, talking about great content. Uh, um, you know, it's funny. I spent the weekend with an old friend who's building a house with other friends of his as a rental home and an investment property. And your podcast with Roman talking about uh, uh, shared ownership of second homes. It was on the money. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Bro. Yeah. So listener, make sure that you, you go in there, you check all that stuff out. It's available wherever you happen to listen to the show. Uh, you know, you just go into the show notes, you go to the thought revolution.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, and um, listener, make sure you share the episode. That's what we want you to do and go check out uh, everything that uh, Shane and his company have. And if you are looking for ways to take some of these ideas and make them available in, inside your own business, go to my website, ecircleacademy.com. There's tons of resources there, which will show you things you can do uh, that will allow you to take these types of really good ideas to take your business to the next level. And if you want to jump on a call, all you got to do is go click on the button that says book a success call and away we go. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's amazing guest, the one and only Shane Mahoney, go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com, check out the show notes, or wherever you happen to go listen to this podcast episode, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, all those places, check out the show notes over there, and you are going to be happy that you did. Until next time, goodbye. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.